Welcome to another motherfucking episode of Purse First, the only and the best podcast all about the girls and the gays who rap. I'm one of the co-hosts, Prince Pierre, aka Big Daddy Woo Woo. And I'm Cecily, also known as Bad Fat Black Girl. And I feel like we are little ghetto Cinderella's and the clock has struck midnight and we are back to our regular old raggedy bullshit after our wonderful time in Miami with Trina. We had such a good time. We got to see each other in real life and hang out with the baddest bitch. Like we <sighs> ate food at a sex trafficking ring. Oh my God. Yes. We was at some <laughs> random restaurant that I'm pretty sure was like with some shady shit going down or that, but yeah, I'm happy to see you, friend. I'm happy to be back. I feel like we haven't done this in so long, the old-fashioned way. I know. We back to the ghetto. Together. You in the hood yeah, now, man. baby. You're you're in the hood now, baby. <laughs> Why you say it just like her? You in the hood now, baby. <laughs> speaking of hood. Speaking mm. of the hood. Mm. Erica Banks. Well, Nikki to slum it with her and give it, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh. Erica Banks said that Nikki will not get her feature and has been ignoring her because Nikki Minaj only wants to work with girls who cannot rap. What do you think, Pierre? I think Erica Banks needs to keep <laughs> Nikki. Minaj name <laughs> out her motherfucking mouth <laughs> from this day forward. I really wish these girls just rap. Just rap. Yeah. Focus on your artistry. Just rap. Focus the Barb's already tore her down and told her she's too entitled, which she is. Um, you know, I never thought I would say this. The barbs, but I'm right. on the side of the barbs with this one. Well, you you're a barb. You're because a barb. The entitlement there is really like, I mean, sis. Like, even if we are talking about, like, there are girls who are in front of you in the line, sweetheart. And especially, you know, I finally listened to um the popular interview that Nicki Minaj recently did. Well, um, with um a certain <laughs> male interviewer and she um was specific I was specifically interested you know she was talking about how she does not do songs or trends that she feels like are just chasing like quick follows quick listens quick views Which you know whatever they think would it would you think she was lying I think she I think she means it, but she get caught up sometimes only can get caught up in uh this is trending, this is popping, let me do this right quick. Sometimes I think I think when she yeah, sometimes, you know, like I definitely think that like I definitely think, you know, Nikki ain't no fool. She keep her ear to the streets oh, yeah. in terms of what's popping oh, yeah. and what's high. And I, I yeah, mean, but, but I don't I, think I don't think she's she's chasing it. She's not chasing it, right? Exactly. But every and now so, and then you know, she do some trendy, popular right. type shit. But you know, all that to be said, like no disrespect to Erica Banks, but like, girl, you think Buss it was gonna get you a Nikki feature for free? Maybe Chloe, Chloe Bailey. 
uh is the reason we remember bust it that was that was chloe bailey quinceanera when she revealed to everybody that she had ass was doing oh my god she broke the internet (laughs) that's exactly what happened treat me treat me (laughs) baby girl it's popping everything period period you know that's actually a little bit of a teaser to the artist that we have coming up but uh, for our guest today but i'll I'll let y'all get into it a little bit later but anyway, no, you know, honestly, I, I think that, you know, if, if that would have been a tweet, I would have said Erica should have left that in the draft. But she actually said that shit on stage in front of an audience so it could live on forever. Yeah. And, you know, I just I think she's going to eat them words. However, although I do feel like I have to come in on the back end and say. Oh, Lord. What she said was, I feel like. Nikki only want to do features with girls that can't rap. And while for the most part, that is also a lie. Cause I mean, she collab with Doja Cat. Doja Cat can absolutely rap. She collab with uh, Meg Thee Stallion. Meg Thee Stallion can absolutely rap. She collab with Bia, who has an, a very interesting sound and a very <laughs> new take <laughs> on rap. <laughs> but I think that Bia has a flaw. I think it's just a, a, a different sound. And I'm actually very excited to see where now I'm about to say something that I'm Oh, uh-uh. God, saying, oh, oh, Bia made a song with 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 Jake with Jake <laughs> and I did not hate it. <laughs> I listened to it and I did not hate it. I'm so ashamed. But you know, I I think that Bia has a flow. Nikki collab with Coolerai, and Nikki collab with Coolerai. <laughs> <laughs> And what you think about you? You think Cooler Ray can rap, Pierre? Um, we talked about this before. Um, I think Cooler Ray is no. Nah, we this a Rolling Ray stand account. We call her Cooler Ray. I think Big Per, Big Shout out to Rolling Ray for not being dead. Shout um, out to it was never given dead. Don't it was ever never play given with me. It was given <laughs> Jesus on Easter. It was never given dead. <laughs> Rolling right came out that motherfucking elevator and said, "Bitch, it was never given in." Yo, we we gotta get Rolling Ray on the show. Like we have to. Got to get Rolling Ray. Oh my on the god, show. we have to get the big par. Coyle Ray, um, <laughs> she's part of the new school. The the kids that do hookah and the mushrooms and methamphetamine. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not there yet. I don't. I don't do the hookah. I don't do the cocaine. I don't do the drugs. I'm not a viber. I don't do couple of the bitch. I don't even do Pepsi. Let's see how you don't like me. We're trying to do everything like me. That is like that. Okay. Anyway, yeah. I don't think the yeah. <laughs> I don't think the kids are doing methamphetamines. <laughs> The Vorian, that part where Cecily just oh did that rap, I want you to rewind that motherfucker 12 times because... So the, now you're going to sit here on this podcast and act like I don't know Nikki songs now? The barbs are in oh. the building. <laughs> the two barbs are doing the podcast, y'all. This oh is, my God. This is officially a barb podcast. Okay, but she's not selling music to me i'm not a viber i like hip-hop i like rap I'm, i don't like the vibe these new kids they like the vibe they want to get half mushrooms and be whimsical <laughs> kudos to them they want to hear the quality rain no. i don't 
<laughs> uh yeah so I, but i will say but i will i i do think that one thing that i think erica banks might have getting at is the feeling that and this is something that i have said on this podcast before that feeling that Nikki goes for low-hanging fruit sometimes in terms of who she collabs with. But and my every thing time is, she collab with somebody that's not low-hanging fruit, they always into it. My thing is, when it comes to Onika Tanya Mirage. Onika. Remember Beyonce was... You know Onika. You know Houston <laughs> girls got... Houston girls got the deepest voice. The deepest, they they sound like they smoke twenty packs a day, but bodies look like motherfucking art. Ciao. Oh, Nika. Some of- <laughs> oh, Nika. But here's the thing: um, everybody will can be will be considered low hanging fruit when it comes to Onika Tanya Mariah. I disagree. I disagree. I think that she has collabed with some folks who it's only three people who wouldn't be. And she collabed with all of them. That's Doja, Cardi, and Megan. Exactly. And she don't like none of them bitches. And everybody else, they're low-hanging fruit. So, to that end, to if, if that's what the sentiment was that Erica was trying to express, then, you know. I mean, Erica, I girl, you was not that great. I, I will say this. I think that Erica was actually more so trying to take shots at the other girls. I... It was interesting that you the know, barbs got on her ass because I really don't what? think the shot was at Nikki. I think, I think Erica it, was trying to slick diss them other bitches. You know what? I, that's what that. I hope it wasn't that because that's mm-hmm. the part I hate. Yeah, because I really hate that part because yeah. now you're jealous. Now you're jealous because I would never. I would never let anybody know that they have something that I want. Period. That because means they you want already. They're looking like, you... oh no, Pia got the feature. Oh no, Colvay got the feature. Oh no, like that's what. Because that means. now that is the textbook de- definition of a hater. You yeah. are literally hating. You're saying that you're begging for this feature. Nikki is ignoring you, and these other bitches got something that you that you want, and you're mad. Yeah. And you're mad about it. I would never gone on air and say some shit like that and strategically that also just wasn't the move given erica banks's position in the industry right now coming up on the label that she's on the feature you need to be begging for is the meg feature actually like that would be the smarter move like collab with will but i mean that's never going to happen because Meg can't stand nobody on that fucking label but like you know I just feel like I don't know I I just it was it was such an obvious kind of like oh yeah you really wanted them clicks on Erica girl all right like she practiced that on in the yeah 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 Erica we need to talk to you about that scene. Yeah, come on, come on, Perk. Much Perk. respect, because I don't, because Erica is not a bad rapper. I want to make that clear. Like Erica is yeah, not she... a that, and that's actually what pisses me off about it too. Because like I don't want the girls to have to be gimmicky like that. Like just make and your music. Like you could have just, just about to say, you could have just if kept these, making songs. These real rap girls, I hate seeing them interview because yeah. when you get on these interviews, and this is why I love Purse first. Y'all need to be talking about music. When you start, there's no way we should be talking about this interview more than we talk about your music. 
And that's quite frankly what it seems like. Like this is sometimes this is some people first time hearing hearing of you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Versus bitch, you need to be dropping music every fucking week. Period. Um transitioning. Let's talk about the Coachella performances. What is the problem, Pierre? You didn't like the girls up at the Coachella? I like the girls. I love I love the rap girls. Meg performed Meg, City Girls, Doe, Big Doge. She ain't Big Doge no more. She's not a she Shout out to my friend skinny. Dallas. He danced with Doja Cat. He offered me two tickets. I was not able to make it. I was in the New York. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Actually, I was out of town that weekend. I was in New York. I wasn't able to make Coachella. Yeah, I get, yeah, a friend, a friend of mine can't who's in the show invited I can't, me. I can't make it this weekend because I'll be in the Atlanta. So bits and busy. Um, But yeah, Dallas did an amazing job with the Doja Cat. Okay, first, first, how did the girls do? Dallas gay? We can talk about. Do Dallas rap? Oh, well, no. <laughs> oh, but he, well, Dallas does rap. He's a, he's also a music artist. But okay, Doja did good. Doja, but Doja is one of those girls that, that does, you know, we hate how people try to make the rap girls pop girls. Yes, but Doja, Doja is was also a already pop a pop girl. <laughs> but Doja is a natural pop girl, though, Doja and that's part of the, that's girl. the thing. Part of the issue is that hip hop is pop, and Doja is a perfect example of that. And I think that's also why Doja's performance was one of the better ones because Doja just really leaned into that, and also Doja had some more sing songy type songs too. But I just no, but when she did Woman, she, you know, she sings in that. And I know. I This is a Doja. This is a Doja Can't Stand account. Yeah. Like, and she killed that shit. Like, the, her set design was amazing. Um, But I will say, people don't understand. First of all, wait, first of all, we got to back up. Because it's just so clear that everybody at Coachella is trying to meet the, the standard, standard that was set by the other queen of rap. At homecoming. Not not Nikki, but B. Okay. At, the other queen home, of rap. At homecoming. Period, baby. They said, oh, it ain't enough to just be here and have a have my name and the lights in the back. I have to have full Beyonce said production. budget. Beyonce yeah. said if you don't have a budget, stay your broke ass home. And all of them bitches. Beyonce said, I need 750 people on stage with me. Period. And all the motherfuckers had about 150 with them. <clears throat> Meg had a bunch of fucking dancers. The only people that didn't actually was City Girls. And let me tell you why I really, I am so proud of City Girls. And I like that the City Girls, they just, made their set very city girls like okay we just gonna bring the strippers out we gonna have some money don't gone up it's a little bit of a stage and like me and you know jt and carisha we gonna turn up but like they wasn't doing all that a whole bunch of they did like some moves you know what i'm saying they hit a one-two step every once in a while and, and threw some ass i want to create but, a direct for city girls because i'm just gonna take everything that tt and i do and just give it to them I mean, yeah, y'all was the original City Girls, of course. <laughs> like, that's what, 
Of course. Duh. <laughs> but like, I'm so, I, I, but I, I, I just, I, I really want to take this moment though, because when you, everybody know, anybody who saw the City Girls perform before JT went to jail and while JT was in jail, you know that those girls were not performance even if you watch the city girl documentary on youtube like they love docuseries like they really had to train those girls up to be performers and watching them on the coachella stage i could really just see that evolution and like i'm proud of them like i'm so proud of them like i'm just they killed it they ate it up also, Carisha, little friend, Diddy was out in the audience watching her, but you know, purse it's first. It's the friend. Purse it's first. The friend for me. Purse first. He had, you know, he had pulled up with P um, to watch the show or whatever, but purse first. And Meg debuted a new song called Plan B. <laughs> Baby! Who she was talking about? Purse so first. Messy. You are so fucking messy, but in purse first, but I don't give a fuck who she's talking about because baby, that's an anthem for me, baby. She said I was taking them motherfucking plan B's because you weren't finna trap me, nigga. The fuck? <laughs> Period. And some of you bitches need to tune in, okay? Okay. Oh <laughs> look. All right, Pierre. We have to before we go to our guests, we have to um we gotta get a little serious here. Uh, this is a serious issue, like uh, that's actually affecting our community what is uh you know as as people from chicago um this is a serious issue for us and it's it's an issue regarding who the queen of drill is and (laughs) i'ma just say it let me i just want to be clear i just want to be clear from jump Katie got bands is the queen of drill. And that's on and that's on Mary Had a Little Lamb. That's on period, comma, exclamation point, and question mark, bitch. Even though ain't no question about it. There's nothing to argue about there. Who who who's saying they the queen of drill? I'm so messy. You know who the fuck's saying it. And this is a right now what we're about to do is an intervention. Because we really, I didn't even need to say that. Because if you tapped in, you know who the fuck the queen of drill is. <laughs> it's the tap in for me. I didn't need to say that it was Katie Abbins because y'all already know it was Katie. Katie, now, Katie, come on, purse first, so we can we can talk to you, please. Even though Katie got me blocked on Twitter, I don't know why. I'm blocked, Cecily. I'm blocked. Me and come on, purse first, y'all. I've been a fan. Of, I've been a Katie Abbins fan since forever. She's sorry. Now, Asian doll. Let's actually take it back to actually talk about what happened, how Asian Doll even got in this Set the story up. Set the story up. Cardi B tweeted, the first bitch I ever saw. Well, actually, let me take it back a little bit before that. The mayor of New York, Eric Adams, I think he's the mayor. I don't be tapped into politics. I'm going to just say uh, before I get on here and get the line. A politician from New York, I'm pretty sure it was the mayor, though. His son yes, Eric had Adams him listen to some drill music and he did a press conference and said, this is fueling the drill music is fueling the gang violence in the city. This is a problem. We need to get rid of drill music. So, you know, all the drill rappers basically came out and said, bro, fuck you. Like, 
Don't and your son with his Fuck you and your son with his pussy ass. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, all of that. <laughs> but it started this conversation about drill music. And I also want to be clear. It started the conversation specifically about New York drill. Because New York drill, which was in, is inspired, inspired by, from, Chicago by Chicago drill. drill, but it has a very different sound. New York drill has a very, so, so when you hear, when you think of New York drill, that's what I think of when I hear We Go Up by Nicki Minaj, 5 year Foreign. That's like a New York drill record to me. But sh- drill music started in Chicago, period. Think Chief Keef, uh, Lil Durk, Lil Reese, Lil Durk, all of them niggas, like those are, and Katie got fucking band. Those band. are drill pioneers. Those are the people who started drill music. Now, is drill music very closely linked to the streets? Absolutely. If oh, it's, wanna, it's straight from the street. If you want to admit, if it's a nigga that just came straight from jail, still ain't even put his real clothes back on yet and hopped in the booth to make some music, it's a it's a drill rapper, baby, okay? Fresh bodies on the belt, period. Now, so that's the context of of because I think that's important in terms of even why Cardi said that. But also, if we go back and think about Bodak Yellow, which was Cardi's breakout single, that was also a New oh, York drill Bodak song. Bodak, oh my God, that shit went so fucking crazy. Oh, Bodak, I mean, chef's kiss to Cardi. Mm. Like, she really did what the fuck she had to do. That's that's a hip-hop class. Like, when motherfuckers start writing the 100 best songs of this decade, this era, I'm sorry, but Bodak Yellow need to be on there, and that's on period. So, Cardi tweets, first bitch I ever saw do drill. And it's a video of Katie got bands. Because of course, right? Period. So Katie is having her moment. Katie is excited because the other thing about Katie, like Katie been doing music for a decade, over a decade. And you know, Katie is not one of the girls that has like popped off. You know, like Katie is still in a lot of sense, like a lot of people still consider katie to be a local artist and so you know katie is enjoying this moment rightfully so and katie fans are enjoying this moment rightfully so because like we excited that katie you know what i'm saying is getting her flowers and what happened here come motherfucking asian doll what she say all of a sudden asia say she actually is the queen is real she going she 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 beefing with all of a sudden she going crazy with katie talking about some bitch you was in my dm you wanted to do a song with me you a bum you this you that like now i'm sure that miss asian feels some entitlement over drill music because she was dating king vine Mm -hmm. before he Mm -hmm. passed away may he rest in peace Mm -hmm. i repeat king vine king vine from the same place that i'm from parkway gardens um and and I will say Asian Doll does make very aggressive rap music that that does have a drill sound. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say. Sometimes I don't think she drill. I think gangster music is different than drill. Period. And you also have to consider the fact that I make gangster drill, music. And also once drill became popular it almost became interchangeable with trap music itself. It's it's all at this point, like once drill, like motherfuckers really don't get me started. I, this is purse first. Really don't get me started on chief Keith impact. Oh, period. Yeah. Don't do not get me started on chief Keith impact because chief Keith changed the way a lot of these niggas was rapping. And that's on period. Okay. Yeah. 
Like Chief Keith brought drill to the fucking industry and made that a sound that motherfuckers wanted to tap in with in the first place. That yeah. is some Chicago shit. And that's on period. Now, that being said, do I think that Asian, you know what I'm saying? We already know. <laughs> do you know what who do you know a bitch that can uh hold your nuts and suck your nuts and hold a mat clip? We get it. Asian be in the shit with the Asian know how to hold a gun and know how to shoot a gun. We get it. But I'm sorry, sis, that don't make you the queen of drill. You're not the queen of drill. First, and if we being honest, Asian, and this is why I said this is an intervention, because as cold and as hard as Asian is in the fucking booth, you really ain't the queen of shit, but some mess. (laughs) And that is what upsets me about Asian, dog, because Asian is hands down. Honestly, I would put her in my top 10 in terms of bars like Asian be rapping her ass off and I think that Asian has had there's some songs that I don't like but really like I've been listening to if you I've been listening to Asian since like 2015 2016 and like Asian like can rap period and I think that Asian has been has experienced a lot of colorism in this industry I think that there are a lot of opportunities that have not been afforded to Asian because of the way she looked she's been transparent about you know how uh when she was on Gucci label they was trying to tell her she couldn't pop off until she got her titties done and all this other stuff but girls like that piss me off because then y'all turn around and And just just call other bitches ugly and now all every time I hear about you, I can't even name no newer uh except none of that shit. Uh, uh like Which was a whole bunch of mess then. We couldn't even listen to the damn song because you was talking so damn much all over the internet starring shit. Get every your song. week it's mess with Asian and girl. Go on fucking bad girls club if that's the type of shit that you want to be into. Zeus Call up Zeus. They'll give your ass a show. The <sighs> Zeus Network will give you a show. If that is what you want to do, Asian, but you are too fucking talented to still be doing this shit. And that that frustrates me because she's running. I really, I be feeling like I'm in my Tyra Banks bag when it comes to Asian. Like, we were rooting for you. We were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Like, I've bitch, never like, had to yell at a girl like this. I be wanting to root for Asian so hard, but like Asian be out here acting like a fucking bird. Like, well, and that shit be irritating me. And then, and then to do that shit with a Chicago bitch, please stop playing. Don't use your back. Don't use Vaughn for no clout on no drill shit because Vaughn, baby mama's sisters, you be beefing with them. Like, Mishiran, this is an intervention. What's her name? Mishiran. That's her real name? Yeah. <laughs> like Mishiran. Oh, that's, that might be kind of cute. Mishiran. I like that. Mishiran Jamisha Allen. But Asian, this is an intervention. I'm I'm here to just say, like, sis, let's make this about the music. We want to hear the music. We want the bops. We want the tunes. We want we we want the tap. Put it in the records. Put it in the booth. Make a disc. Make a disc record. Make a diss track do that like even with that i i i have that like let's let's go that route i don't want to hear shit else about you beefing on the internet i don't want to hear about none of that shit and i don't want to hear and i'm sorry but i hate to break it to you baby but the queen of drill is from chicago that's on point black period the queen of drill is from chicago so we can go ahead and just 
this dead that right now. The only the only bitch who can even come in and argue with Katie Gabbins about that shit is another bitch from bitch Chicago. Bitch from Chicago. By the name of Sasha Gohart. Oh, Miss Sasha. Shout out Them, to Sasha. That's the only other bitch that can come in and talk to Katie about some drill me now. If they want to go tell the time man my business, I'm gonna stay out of it. Cause Sasha Sasha was Sasha made some little comments, you know, when that was happening too. What? Yeah, Sasha. Yeah, Sasha go hard. Was like, oh, we talking drill. She posted some shit from like, oh wait, well she had a little flexi ride set. But yeah, um, that's all I want to say on that. Um, we're about to get into our guests for today. Um, and I also want to let y'all know that Pierre and I, um, we reviewed Lotto's album. It's on our Patreon. It's on the Patreon. So, uh, yeah, get into that, and we about to um send it to our our guests. Okay, y'all. So this one of those episodes where like me and Pierre, like we really putting y'all onto some shit. Okay, like and I'm I'm gonna tell y'all this now in a year or two y'all are gonna see this name and be like wait i remember hearing about her on purse first or you're about to listen to this episode right now and realize you already know about some of her shit and just didn't realize that this is who it was y'all i am so happy to have my friend the truly multi-talented TT the artist on purse first with us today. Hey TT. Hey, what's the tea? <laughs> so excited to, to have you. So yes. you know, I have to say, I honestly understand a hundred percent why you went with the name TT the artist. The more I am able to like witness you. Um, it makes so much sense because it was an intentional decision. It seems like basically to not limit yourself to like one genre of music, to one art form, any of that. It's like essentially like Tyler, how Tyler went with Tyler, the creator and like, look at all the things that he does underneath that banner. And that's exactly how you are. But for the people who are uninformed, give them the short list of things that you do for a living TT. Oh man. So yes, I am a woman of many different talents so i'll start with uh i go by tt the artist and i'm rad i always say i'm the rapper artist director and you know my life basically evolves around all things creative you know i do music i produce sound compose also i have a woman focused record label that i founded um club queen records i'm a film director um and also, I do a little bit of designing in the fashion worlds and things like that. And also, I'm a community artist and philanthropist. Like, I hope to be a soon-to-be author one day, too. You know, I can get some pointers from you on that. But, um, yeah, I just, you know, I do feel like I'm a multi-hyphenate. And it's almost like anytime I want to do something, I go with whatever medium fits the message that I'm trying to say a for true, my project. A true, true, true multi-hyphenate i also have to tell y'all tt produced not one but two of the tracks on my (laughs) mixtape it was such an honor like i feel like that was just like the honor of a lifetime to have some of her work um on my mixtape because like i know that you know in in a year or two like that that is just it's invaluable to have that I do, be, because First First is a show about the girls and the gays who rap, I do want to talk about the music side first, obviously. And I, in terms of music, I think the sound you're most known for, obviously, is Baltimore Club music. 
And so how would you mm-hmm. define that sound? And also what I want you to talk a little bit about is how do you think that house music and that that genre of like house and dance music, especially for black folks, fits within like the hip hop canon? And I'll tell you why I asked that after you answer. Well, you know, first and foremost, I got introduced to club music when I was 18 and I had just moved to Baltimore from Florida. But I had mm-hmm. grew up in the dance music space for a while. You know, I was influenced by Uncle Luke, you know, Two mm-hmm. Live Crew, Miami Bass, you know, Trina, Kaya. Like, that's, you know, what the Florida music was. The Baltimore club felt so nostalgic for me. Um, it is a breakbeat genre, so it is a derivative and subculture of hip hop but influenced by house music out of Chicago. So. Period. Okay, let's just let yeah. y'all know Chicago <laughs> invented house music. I'm not going to keep arguing with y'all about this. Period. Yeah, there's all these there's all these debates that happen, you know, from like where club music came from, where Baltimore Club, then Jersey Club, but, you know, definitely everything stems from something and that's what makes it black music. That's what mm-hmm. makes it special. It doesn't matter if you're from that city or not. We are black and this is our black music and our black culture. And I feel like, you know, not to get all deep so early on in the conversation, but black people don't get to really benefit on the highest level off of the sounds we created in these genres. You know what I'm saying? Like in the mainstream music world, especially in dance music, which is why I really took a liking to dance music because I didn't know that I wasn't running away from dance music, but it was always in me. Mm -hmm. Always in me. So I, I had started out with straight hip hop, you know, where I learned how to make the perfect 16 bars and, you know, uh, rap with punchlines. But once I started doing dance music, I realized like my music had more freedom than just necessarily being confined to being the most lyrical rapper. Like I could rap circles around people to be quite honest, if I really tap into that. Period. But <laughs> it felt like bigger. It felt like more universal for me. Like anybody in any country could understand you know, my music because they responded right. to the, the the beat, you know what I'm saying? Right. So I just feel like club music got that universal sound to it. Mm-hmm. I agree a hundred percent. And so, so I, before I get into why I wanted to ask that question in particular, I guess now that you've established that, this is a question that we actually ask all of our guests when they come on the show. And it is what mm-hmm. song or bar of yours would you recommend to someone who hadn't heard your music to be like, okay, this is quintessential TT the artist. Like if you want to know, like, you know, what my, you know, what my shit is, what my vibe is, listen to this song or this bar sums it up. All right. Um, I got this one joint and I feel like a lot of people overlook my bars, you know, come on for real. (laughs) Yeah. I got, I got this one dance record that I put out that I always love, not just because of the lyrics, but because of the flow, right? So it's called Drop It. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's like just me approaching a dance record. What makes my dance records different is that I am able to bring the traditional sense of bars to a dance record. And so it was kind of like had like a kind of influenced by New Orleans bounce music. Mm -hmm. But this record I had called, called Drop It. And the flow is just like, Popping, she popping, she drop a top, now she rocking, she rocking, shaking her titties, she wildin' booty as big as a mountain bouncing, she dropping it, did a split, now she clapping it, working, twerking for dollars, she holler less like a model, she, she model, posing for pictures, her ass is round as a nickel, she slotted, she slotted, and then he squirt like a pickle, she juicy, she juicy, say she love Gucci, when a sun come on, pop that coochie, that coochie, 
Did y'all hear what the girl said? Did y'all hear what the girl said? Like for real, get into the wordplay. Like even like come on. Like just because it's moving fast does not mean that it's not wordplay. Does not mean that it's not technique. Yeah, Yeah, go crazy, TT. Shaking her titties, she wild and booty as big as a mountain bouncing. She dropping it, did a split, now she popping it, twerking, working for dollars. She lala less like a model. She model like you know, it's like just being playful with it, you know. And it hits and different. I don't even know if I got all the words right, but you get what I'm saying. And it hits different because, in case y'all don't know, TT is also a queer icon. So go back, rewind this part of the podcast to listen to what she said again, and it's gonna have a whole different type of vibe to it, and that's on period because my mm-hmm. sister's family now. Mm-hmm. So let's let's actually the, the reason why I wanted to ask you, you know, the reason why I posed that question earlier and really ask you to situate um, dance music in the context of hip hop music is because I think right now we have so many newer female hip hop artists who are able to genre bend and then there becomes all of these questions about whether or not like is this really rap does this really count as hip-hop I think uh yes. one of the one of the most recent examples of that is uh Doja Cat winning a lot of like pop awards and, and R&B <laughs> pop and R&B awards and I think a lot of people were offended by that but I also think that on the very flip side it's like the the realty is that hip hop is pop music, right? Because like hip hop is the most it's the most popular genre of music in the world. So like it is pop music. In terms of us, the girls that that can rap, we don't have to choose the genre. Cause like we can no. just do that shit. And also, and then you know, Pierre and I were talking earlier in the episode about artists like Coyla Ray who have a completely different sound and the way they are delivering on the track sounds like it's kind of sing songy and they're whispering. They're just yeah. playing with different sounds when they're delivering these these bars. And so often I think the Sometimes I feel like that's used as an excuse to write women out of hip hop and write women out of rap too quickly. And so I was so happy to hear to hear you situate that, you know, kind of historically and just within the context. So I want to yeah. talk about we have to obviously talk about Girls Off the Chain because that song has had a hell of a life. Okay. <laughs> like that song is living. Um, obviously living. that. Yeah, that song is legendary now. You know, it's it's relevant because, you know, for those of y'all who don't know, that is the song that is sampled on Chloe Bailey's Have Mercy. It's also on, um, then on Lizzo's uh, Amazon show, Watch Out for the Big Girls. Um, yeah. And also, just so y'all know, TT the Artist Music has been on TV. Like those little songs that y'all be liking on them early seasons of Insecure, a bunch of them are TT's. So just get into get into yeah. my bitch catalog. Get into my bitch catalog. But I want <laughs> you to talk. I want you to talk specifically about Girls Off the Chain and just mm. talk about how the song has traveled around. Reflect and reflecting kind of on how like the seeds that you sow maybe at one point in your career can like blossom mm. at different moments and go to different heights. I mean, because like this song is got you your first gold certification, right? But like that was a song that you had mm. been recorded. So just kind of talk yeah. about you know that process and and what that was like. Well, yeah, it's truly a testimony because Girls Off the Chain came from just me starting my label, Club Queen Records. And I just was transitioning where it's like, as a solo artist, I 
always want my sound to evolve. You know, I do club music, but I also do pop and hip hop and things like that. So I was like, if I create club music and I create Club Queen Records, you know, this could be a place where we really, really house not me just as an artist, but me as a producer. So Girls Off The Chain was one of the first records we put out on Club Queen Records on our first Club Queens compilation album. We shot a music video for it. And it sat for probably four years, just, you know, slowly sat. We got a couple of syncs, smaller syncs and placements with some campaigns here and there. Um, and then I put it in my film. I have a film on Netflix called Dark City Beneath the Beat, which was all about Baltimore club music and dance culture. And I put it in that film as well. And then like last year, that's when we kind of got word that Chloe was going solo and she was dropping her first single and it was going to be Have Mercy, and they sampled my vocals from that record. What it felt like for me was a really win, like a real win, you know, as an artist. See, you know how we make up these terms. You know, I've been telling people about you got the industry and you got the industry. Yeah. It's like the industry is like, it's like artists that are, we're just as good as like mainstream artists, but we might not have the machines behind us. So it's like we we have our own kind of ecosystem that's running parallel mm -hmm. to the industry and we do get access to the industry at certain points, but we're not always the go-to people necessarily if we're not um, the next buzz or trending artist. So in that industry, I found my success with this record and a lot of other records. Like I had been sampled before um, by J-Lo. Yep. Uh, so Iggy Azalea sampled one of my records last year. And it just kind of showed me that it's not that I don't make radio records or mainstream records. It's just that I don't have the radio or mainstream access that some of these other artists may have quickly. Right. So, so now things have changed, you know, now it's more like, okay, well, how do I use this as a vehicle to mobilize more bigger features, bigger collaborations and, or just continue to bring more visibility to the music and records that we're putting out independently. Cause that's clearly the journey that I chose and right. that I'm on. So for me, though, it just felt like a real win, you know, that to see that happen in, in my in my life, and it's been really great. And I continue, I'm continuing to ride the wave, you know what I'm saying? And just still going going back to what you said earlier about you know people writing women out of hip hop. It's like how you see these top hip hop lists and don't mention Lauryn Hill as a top five that are alive, or you know Lil Kim or Foxy Brown or Queen Latifah, MC Light, like women that I grew up on. You know, it's it's mind boggling and even how black women are not showcased in the dance music space like they should. Like we got legendary singers and that's why it's so important for our history to be told. Right. You know, and then we gotta tell our own stories too. Like a lot of people just don't tell their stories, but I was like, I'm gonna tell my story. And if it's parts of my story that people don't agree with or they feel like, Well, this is what they were doing around that time, hey, you tell your story, sis. Right. I'm gonna tell my story right. at the end of the day. Period. So when, so you do consider yourself like, you know, when, when you hear like the term, like female rappers, you know, especially in the connotation mm -hmm. that is used in today, like you mm -hmm. consider yourself also like those are your peers. Like you consider yourself mm -hmm. one among the, the many, but I love this, mm -hmm. this idea of like the industry and the industry, because mm -hmm. there are so many people who are killing it in the industry and are only mm -hmm. trying to make it into the industry. And I think mm -hmm. one of the things that I've always admired about you is that you, I, I've never felt like that was your vibe. I've never felt like yeah. you were just one of those people who 
was just solely focused on like being in the industry like you I've always been like okay TT has a vision for the art that she wants to make and that's what the fuck TT is gonna do period and like Mm -hmm. whatever comes after that comes and do you feel like that has contributed to kind of like the success that you have been able to have over the over the past these over these years because I mean like how long have you been solely an artist living off of your art well I went full-time artist 2000 around 2014 2015 and before that I was actually teaching and working in a nonprofit world I was teaching art and media classes to to inner city youth in Baltimore and so I was juggling like I would have a show in New York and have to go there and then be back to work at yep. eight o'clock in the morning so um you know, my job had ended and I was able to like go on unemployment for a few months. And that's kind of how the transition started. And then um, really when I started getting like syncs and TV placements with my music, I started saying, wow, if you know, if I really want to do this music thing and I'm not necessarily signed to a record label, then let me research music business and and understand the, the streams of revenue where you can make money from with music. And so that's mm-hmm. when I found out about the streaming and, you know, um, merchandise, uh, touring, all those little things that you could do to keep yourself afloat. My lifestyle wasn't super expensive. Like now it's a little bit more expensive living right. in LA. <laughs> but, you know, rightfully so now I had things that helped me to be able to sustain myself. And that's what I think the ultimate thing with artists is getting to a place where you're able to sustain your dream and sustain the things you want to do so that you can live and do the things you want to do. So sometimes you really got to think with a different mindset, like how can I make an opportunity happen for myself? Right. Come on, how somebody. Can I, yeah. How can I take something that I do? And if they ask it for one song, let me send them my whole catalog. Cause maybe there's other things that they might like, or, Hey, I can also do original music from scratch. If it's something in the catalog that you're not rocking with, I can make something that fits your taste. So always making myself accessible to the right people I think was a definitive in like how I got to where I am today and I I only continue and hope that I'll continue to coast and and just keep keep aligning with the projects that I want to align with and bringing new ideas to to our world you know and like when I talked about the industry it's just like it ain't that we don't want to be in the industry. It's just that we're not forwarded the same opportunities that mm. a, a big artist like a Doja Cat right now. And she had right. her her way of getting on or Coyle Ray or any of these bigger artists that are having that level of success who have major record deals or have deals. It's just different. They right. got different budgets yeah. than us. Right. So uh, what us what us independent artists are, are trying to figure out is one, how to create content that can compete on the same level. Not that we're competing with these other artists, but we want to be seen so that we can bring some traction so we can continue to fund our ideas. Right. And that's essentially what it comes down to. Like if you could have a budget for every idea you had, imagine how much stuff you would make. But what we end up doing is trying to figure it out. So I still apply for grants. You know, I still am out here pitching and pitching and pitching and pitching. Like that part hasn't stopped. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, Y'all, this is is really, this is right now, if you're listening to this, I want you to forward this episode of Purse First to your aspiring artist friends, no matter, no matter the gender, because what y'all are really getting is a masterclass in how to live off of your art, how to make a living doing your art, or just how to fund the art that you want to make without having to be 
famous. And I think that while we obviously have a lot of folks, you know, we've had folks on the show who are known because, you know, their raps have went viral or their songs have went viral. But I do think that so many artists think that fame is the only point of entry into the industry. People think Mm -hmm. that I have to get those numbers. I have to have those followers. I have to have that level of fame before I am considered a part of the in crowd before the budgets come in. When the truth Mm -hmm. is that like, if you can just source out the money to start to do the small thing, that will put you in front of the people who might be able to get you to do the big thing. This is this is such an important conversation and I cannot underscore that enough. I mean, I, I feel like honestly, like that's what we did with, with Purse First. You know, podcasting mm-hmm. is big business. Podcasting is very big business. We are not at the level of, you know, lip service or, you know, some of these other shows. But like we, I found out about a foundation that was trying to fund cultural critics of color. And I said, great. Mm. Like, I want to talk about female and queer rappers. I don't feel like there are platforms that are um, pop, uh, that are uh, appropriately addressing this huge surge in queer and female rappers that we have. Let me ask them for a little bit of money to just make sure our mics are set, to make sure we can pay our engineers to, like, get the get the uh, sound right. right to pay Pierre and I to fly out to get our headshots to, you know, get these things done that we needed to get done. So that, that really touched me in my spirit because that's so real. So switching gears a little bit in terms of contemporary queer and female artists, who are some of your faves out now? Like who are you listening to? Mm, I'm going to tell you right now, I just was at South by Southwest. And I went to this showcase called Carefree Black Girls. Mm -hmm. And the whole lineup was lit. It was all female rappers and they were also diverse. And it's like, you know, it's a new generation, but it's also girls who've been doing it for a while independently. So it wasn't like, oh, you know, it's a new wave. It was just more like, wow, I'm happy to be aware that this is still very much a vibrant space. And these are the lights we need to turn on and are on our platform. So, like, there's a girl from New York called Lola Brooks. Look up. She's like one See, of this is the, dope for me, too, because all these are people yeah. I'm going to go ask to come on the show right after you. Let's go. Lola Brooks. <laughs> yeah. Lola Brooks is that. Like, I'm talking about, man, first of all, she's, like, shorter than me, but got a voice. <laughs> she got a voice like. Biggie, like she got uh-huh. a voice like the Kim Foxy's of like it's like a voice like hers comes once in a lifetime yes. type of thing in hip hop. She's dope. Her lyrics are dope. I love the bottom, like the depth mm-hmm. of her voice. She's really cool. We got um this girl named Quana. Oh man, she killed it. Her name's Quana. She's actually also one of the organizers for Carefree Black Girl. Okay. Um I have to shout out the girls that I'm working with through my label. She's Ryan, really dope. She's an artist, and she also just launched the podcast, Lion Ryan, and she's doing really cool things in the print and modeling world. It's the hybrid for me. Yes. Um, Day Burger all the way out from New York. I love Day Burger. Oh, my God, you know Day Burger? (laughs) No, that's who I really want on the show. Oh, she she's great. That's one of my best friends, so we could get get that. Yes, I love Day Burger. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, Day, she's killing it. Um, man, who else? There's a girl out of Baltimore named Baby Kahlo. Really mm-hmm. dope. Really, really dope. Um, 
you know, those those are just some of the the, the new the new ones. But as far as top, top, yeah. like as far as the as far as the the big the other, I love Kid Ken. I love Period Santana. Kid Material Girl. Kid Ken was actually the first guest on Purse First ever. We oh, had nice. for for I season think... one, we had Kid Ken as our very first guest. A Chicago. Yeah, I've been on that wave. I've yeah. been on that wave of like I be looking and I love it. I love to see it. I saw Santana. I've been following for a while. And what attracted me to saw Santana's work was his videos. And I he was going so hard for himself. Yes. In the beginning. And I'm a city girl. Period. All the way down. Period. I love I have a special place in my heart for the city girls because I just don't feel like brown skin girls that can rap get their fair shot you know how many dope you know how many big records the city girls have had and they have yet to get the recognition that i feel like other girls of lighter skin complexion get and they are lackluster um not to take anything from anybody but that's real i wish it was i wish it was just a little more even playing field because it's like what else can they do and they're doing everything right. It's and like, they do? The, with the City Girls, too, I love part of the reason why I love Carisha and JT is because you can also track their evolution. Like they were yeah. really, Carisha and JT really are like hood bitches who got it out the mud from Miami. And they were like, exactly. okay, we got a chance to do this rap shit. Let's figure it out. And like they mm-hmm. really, you know, we talk about like artists get polished over time, right? Quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But like for them, it's not even just like, oh, let's clean up their image or like, you know, they, they they're, 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 the way they change their aesthetics or anything. Like I was looking at clips from their Coachella performance, uh, this past weekend versus when I saw, uh, City Girls Live when JT was still in jail and, uh, Carisha Mm -hmm. was pregnant. The, the transformation, like I know those girls are working they ass Mm -hmm. off. And they're taking the work seriously and doing what needs mm-hmm. to be done to get to the next level. And that's why I, I never want to hear bad shit about City Girls because, like, mm-hmm. they are really working and committed to, like, getting better and better. And I love to see that. And you can tell when it's authentic. And I think, for me, what attracts me to artists and helps me, like, subscribe to it is when it's, it feels authentic. Yep. It's like I can, like, listen to your music and see you and hear your story and I can just you don't have to sell me on it you know mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm not gonna sugarcoat stuff you know in this industry there are artists who get walked in through the back door period just through just through network just through connections and there's nothing wrong with that if they're also doing the work you know what I'm saying right. they're like well shoot I got an easy pass yeah now they gotta prove now they gotta prove themselves to right. that audience just like you see artists like Cole Ray who out here her father's in the industry. She's an industry baby. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And she still had to like figure a way that worked for her. Yep. But you know, she's always online talking about, you know, her struggle and, you know, people kind of be like, well, girl, you signed up for it type thing. But mm-hmm. it's like, everybody got their own reasoning behind right. their stuff. But I just think that there is an imbalance when it comes to the city girls, when it comes to the Tierra Wax of the world. The cheekers of the world, like a lot of brown skinned women who are ill mm-hmm. and amazingly talented. And so a part of me be like, well, is it who their team is? Is it who they are? Is it what they want in their mind? Like, even we can talk about Dej Lowe. You know right. what I'm saying? Come on, um, somebody. 
let's talk about you know, that you know what that's another one that I'm, we need to track Dej Love down because that's another one we got to get on this ready. show that because I got yeah. to talk to Big Dej okay like yeah. for real for real yeah. so another dope artist coming up is um another dope artist coming up is my friend Tish Hyman she just okay. got Grammy nominated and uh she's dope and she you know she she's queer as well mm-hmm. but she's also like broken through where she's like making that mainstream connection Mm -hmm. but she's still in the she's still indie like she's still she's a she's like got that texture that lauren hill got in her voice oh wow okay new york she's like tish and she's a great talker too so she's Mm -hmm. gonna be a great person for you to talk to but yeah we just working but i like the authenticity that comes through with some artists that's what sells me on them okay let's talk about ebony eight tell us more about um (laughs) because the trailer is Oh my God. Oh my. It's giving. God. If I had to describe the trailer for Ebony 8, I would say it's giving like Janelle Monet meets Willy Wonka. I, like the color. It, it's whimsical. <laughs> it's, it's whimsical. I love it. It's, like TT be on some shit. Like what is going <laughs> on? <laughs> Well, okay, so y'all, it's so crazy because the whole Ebony 8, which is like, um, it's a spark of an idea. It's my, my first short film, my first go at really writing script and getting into the narrative side of the world. And I had a thought process throughout this script where it went from traditional to like, man, what am I saying? What am I trying to do? How am I going to create a moment? I was like, man, I remember growing up, I was such a fan of sci-fi fantasy, oh. but didn't really see a lot of black people in sci-fi fantasy and, and musical adventures, you know, we had the Wiz and but I'm like, well who's making those those films of today that's contemporary and talking about issues that are in our communities. So Ebony Eight was born and um it's kind of like this world that I'm creating where I just wanted to see black people in these type of roles. And it it's a story about a woman who's kind of like finds herself wanting to get her big break in, in the fashion world. Like that's her dream, but she's kind of in this like stuck lower level uh, position at this progressive black magazine company. And it's take place in the near future. So Ebony 8 is this like uh, device or garment or whatever it may be. We haven't figured that part out yet, but um, it's gonna be an opportunity that this character is presented with to kind of help her go through this life transformation hero's journey. And that's when she goes into that world and starts to encounter all these different things. So essentially you get this musical adventure that's touching on imagery and issues that we as women face with body, image, workplace, career, and it's turned into this experience of this like experimental hybrid musical um, that's futuristic also. So that's really what it is. Um, so the, the short is like a taste and a teaser of like, what will then become a more high concept? So I love it. That's the goal. I love the wigs. I lo- it's, it. I yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, and it's like it's very TT. And I just love to see black people oh, step outside like, I, of nigga shit. 
Well, and, <laughs> and because like we have such a rich history of like Afrofuturism and like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I just love to see us claim that. Like, mm. I don't even see it as like stepping outside of our lane. I see it as really like claiming right. shit that was already, already ours. You already ours. Mm-hmm. And so like, I just, it, but also I have, to, I mean, TT is the perfect person to do yep, it too. Yep. Yeah. If anybody has the range, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, filmmaking is so trippy to me because here you are in this space that's just as saturated as music. And mm-hmm. you're like, all right, I can go here and make another drama, comedy, or whatever. But, or I can go where it's like not even occupied and really like show people my voice, which is something I'm already naturally interested in anyway. Why not explore that more? And so that's when these things come. And it always amazes me when it just starts out as just nothing. Like this was just air and it took form once it, I put pen to paper. And now we're working on a feature script of what that would look like. So, um, yeah, just keep in touch on that. Cause you know, I'm going to be definitely trying to talk to people about the whole musical experience. Cause we want to make musicals like yes. the new musical. So yes. it might not be no, it might right. be trap beat. Uh, Period. That, yes. Or, yes. If, Lin, yes. if Lin-Manuel Miranda can do the shit with Hamilton, which I still cannot get through. No tea, no shade to Mr. Lynn, but I just, it's not for me. Please. I, like I, Cecily, I'm so you close. You cannot shade Hamilton on Perspire. I'm sorry, but I just can't get into it. I'm just I I have tried to be a Hamilton girl, and I just can't. I've tried it so many times, I cannot get into. CT, you like Hamilton? I, I haven't seen it actually. I saw clips. Right. Oh, you talking about the musical? Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen the musical yet. No. Yeah, I I haven't seen it. It's boring. It's boring. Yeah, I haven't seen it either because I've tried to watch it three times and I can never get through. Oh, there's a recording. There's a recording of it. It's on Disney Plus. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. Okay. I think I think you would even if you don't like it. I I bet you would be super inspired by it. I would I would be curious. I'm gonna check back in with you. Research. Yeah, in the DMs. I'm gonna check back in with you in the DMs and see what you thought about it. Yeah, I just imagine, like, what would life look like if, like, you saw Nicki Minaj in a new musical? Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, being evil. Yes. Being evil. Oh, And you know the queen, and you know the queen, like you know the queen went to um, acting school. Period. And also, that's, I, I feel like Nicki, the moment Nicki plays a villain. Yeah, and think give about her the think about fucking Oscar. Give her the fucking Oscar now to play a villain. Think oh of, my god! Think about the Wiz. Think about the Wiz <sighs> and how that just changed. We had the Wizard of Oz, but the Wiz came with some yeah, ease on down period. the road type shit, and we was just right, like, oh exactly. shit, oh, oh, oh. exactly. So. And we need that. Our, our, we need that. Our young people need it. Like, what is they gonna be talking about? outside yep. of love and hip-hop and all that when they get older. Yeah. Like, what's going to be nostalgic for them? Right. And so that's what made me think about it. There's an empty space right there, and I can mm-hmm. play around there and, you know, yep. have have fun. Whether I fail or don't, do, you know what I mean? It's not about that. It's really just about trying new things. Yeah. I think that's what makes me grow as an artist. Absolutely. Now, our next question is for our Patreon fans only. Um, and it is who have you absolutely loved working with so far? Okay, if you want to get into that tea, you are going to have to head on over to patreon.com slash purse first show where you can watch this full unedited video and hear the answers to all of our questions. 
enjoy the rest of the show though now you got anything else in the works that you want to tell us about nfts and shit starting the airline oh yeah because you know tt you know your ass will will be like oh yeah start a business like yeah i I make furniture now (laughs) i make this chair i'm selling chairs I mean, y'all manifesting it all. Definitely, you guys can look forward to some NFTs really, really soon. I've just been like in the background, figuring it out. I just wanted the rollout to just be the way I want it to be because I'm like, I don't need to be an NFT guru. So I'm looking for the right partnership to help me with everything. But that's definitely coming. I actually am getting ready to, um, I'm working on a new concept called Denim, which is a doc series um, that I'm developing that's all about telling the stories of queer creatives in these different spaces. And it's going to be a hybrid uh, doc series where we're profiling, you know, all these creatives that come from the LGBTQ plus uh, communities, POC, all that, just really illuminating their stories, but also creating the art around it. So it's an experience. It's immersive. And I just got a grant to kind of create a proof of concept for it that we'll want to take it out to the bigger world. But I think that it's going to be a critical uh, and important doc series. And hopefully we all can stay connected and figure out how to work with each other in different ways, you know, when it comes to this, like when it comes to the talent outreach. But, you know, the first phase is to just get this proof of concept done. And then after that, we're out of here. Like, we're going to go. And it's going to open doors for a lot of LGBTQ content creators, I mean, musicians, artists, filmmakers, anybody who I feel like had been pioneering ways because I feel like the LGBT community pioneers so much but never gets the full credit. Right. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're, we're yeah. styling your face. We're writing raps for your face. Yes cooking for your face, fashion designing for your face. But, you know, it's very few that get through the cracks and they're able to get that mainstream love and support or the budgets or the resources. So I just want to use my platform as a vehicle to really mobilize these narratives and see stuff on the screen that I don't get to see. That's important to me. You are so dope. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Before you get up out of here, we have this segment called Ass Last. We pride ourselves um, on being one of those podcasts where we don't get into your business. We ain't worried about who you having sex with, all that other shit, because it's boring and lame. But at the end of our podcast, we do get into other people's business. So we have people send in questions or scenarios that that they're in, and we have our guests kind of like help them out. So basically, somebody told Cecily over the weekend this story. So we curious to see how you will handle it. Um, okay. So, um, so they told Cecily this story. They said that they met this girl. We'll just call her P. She's a creative, <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. P knows this woman that she really looks up to in the same city as her. They built they built this rapport. The woman offered to look at some of her stuff and that's great blah 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 the woman's boyfriend has been in p's dms now p has never opened them and she isn't even really sure that the couple is still together but she also noticed that now this woman who she looks up to and like trying to build a professional relationship with isn't responding to her messages 
So, mm. how should P handle this situation so she don't ruin like this professional relationship and kind of build this rapport? Because you know, people crazy over they niggas. Because it's so like that thing of, because I, I just, mm-hmm. for folks listening, I, when you hear it like that, it seems like it's an easy answer, but you have to, re- but there are some things it's like, also like what's done in the dark always comes to the light. So like, there's all, you have to, no matter what you say, you have to keep in mind that the things will always come to fruition. And so if you believe that, then you really are at a crossroads in terms of how to handle this situation. So for clarity, P mm-hmm. is the middle person. So this the person that P has is building this relationship with professionally, their man's is mm-hmm. in P's DM. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And this is and somebody so, that is more established than P. P really looks up to this woman. This woman is more established in her career than, than P is. And I guess we ain't seeing a career because creative. it kind of give it away and we trying to keep this. I mean, uh-huh. right, right, right. they're creative. So, no, oh, they're I, creative? I can say that P, I can say that P is a creative. Like okay. so my question, doing a lot of the same stuff you do, TT. Okay. Like, All right. So my, my other question is, okay. So P and the professional contact have been in, they've been communicating consistently and all of a sudden their conversations is being delayed, right? It's all of a sudden it's getting a little dry. Like they had met before this person was like, yeah, like I'll look at your treatments. I'll, you know, I'll Mm -hmm. definitely, you know. So P is kind of feeling like, oh, does she think, or maybe she Mm -hmm. knows that her man's is Mm -hmm. in my DM. Well, listen, if P knows that's her man, P should not be responding to that man at she all. She hasn't. Right? P so hasn't she responded. hasn't okay, even great. opened it. So, she said she hasn't even so opened it. So P is them. great. So P is good in terms of that. Now, should P go to her contact and be like, hey, your guy is in my DMs? I don't think so. I'm going to tell you why. Because we don't know. We can't, we can't confirm that this contact is not talking to P because yeah. of that. Because I know in this industry, people get emails all the time. Mm-hmm. or They just go ghost a little bit. I've done it, mm-hmm. not intentionally, but just because I got busy and yeah. I can't get to everybody, everybody when they want. So I would say, P got to just chill and sit this one and let it play itself out. But if the contact comes to P and say, hey, has you gotten any message? She's clear. <laughs> like, yes, honestly, I don't involve myself in people's personal affairs, which is why I didn't say anything. But I'm glad you brought that up because I was like, this is weird. It made me uncomfortable. It made me uncomfortable, right. I think just, I think play it out a little bit. Wait till that person approach. That would be my play. Yeah. Because that ain't none of my business. I agree too. I I think it's one of those (laughs) things that P just has to mind her business. However, I also think P needs to be prepared for the fact that she might not have the relationship with this woman that she wants to have. And I only say that because sometimes relationships are just a sensitive topic for people. And some people just are out of character when it comes to their Men just ruin everything. That's why I love That's why we made purse first. Men just ruin every fucking thing. Everything. Like, Ugh. this nigga in the DMs fucking everything You up. trying to get a damn check. He trying to fuck you. Girl, go on somewhere. <laughs> I swear. And then on top of that, on top of that, if they do bump into each other in a, like, you know, like they might be at Soho House. Oh, 
then that could be well, what happened. You know, we were talking, mm-hmm. and then that could be like a moment where it all comes to the light, full right. circle. So sometimes it's got because I always say, "What's well, for you?" I was just, anyway, I was just so, gonna say that, TT. You know? I was just gonna say, P just need to send one last email. Hey, I noticed things have been just just checking on this, yeah. and then and then dust it yeah, off because like, what has yeah, your name yeah, on yeah. it, baby? No man can touch. Period. Right. And the yeah, trash will take energy. itself out. <laughs> Listen. TT, thank you so much for joining us. This has been absolutely thank amazing. You. Please tell the folks where to follow you, where to stream your music, the movies, where you want the folks to pull up on yes. you at. Thank you guys for having me. And anytime y'all need the hip hop critic, call me. Um, <laughs> that's what they call me, the hip hop critic. Um <laughs> I can be found all over Google. <laughs> TT the artist. My film, um, <laughs> my film Netflix is on Netflix. Dark City Beneath the Beat. You can catch it on Netflix. Um, my all my social media is TT the artist. And yeah, um, I'm actually premiering my short film Ebony Eight at the Maryland Film Festival. So if you're in the DMV area, the end of April, April 28th, April 29th, we'll be screening at the Parkway Theater in Baltimore City. So make sure y'all pull up. So proud of you. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm everywhere at Bad Fat Black Girl. Pierre is at Prince Charming P. And make sure you obviously are following Purse First show on Instagram and on Twitter. And if you really, really fuck with us, and if you want to watch the full unedited video of this conversation with TT, including the questions that we ask that are just for patrons, pull up on us at patreon.com slash purse first show. You get exclusive content. We be reviewing stuff and you can reach out to us and send your ass last questions at purse first show at gmail.com. And real quick, before we go, we might be material girls, but we still an independent podcast and we've only been able to bring you these episodes because of Critical Minded, which is an initiative to invest in cultural critics of color, co-founded by the Nathan Cummings Foundation and the Ford Foundation. They dropped the bag on us and they some real ones. I holla.